Daniel. Hey, George. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Option 5. How's your child's bedroom, it, it appears, that you're in today? It's really nice. Yeah. Um, I was in it way too much yesterday, though. Uh, working, so, on the, working on the house, huh? Well, you know, Ikea, I mean, you really got to dedicate a whole day. They really bring you in, um, and not in a wooing way. They just bring you in and be like, hey, dummy, you bought it. And take Deal some time it. to fix it and put it together. Yep. So, yeah, I'm, I'm underneath a little loft bed here. I'm proud of the work, but, you know. It looks really cozy. Wanna, yeah, it looks cozy. you know, from 12 to 7 yesterday. On, uh, on a not great transition, I'm just going to invite him in right now. Rob Lafeve is with us today, joining us from his room with, with some bird, a bird um, diagram in the background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of... Uh, Took this room over from yeah. one of my kids, and uh, the poster stayed. I, I love it. it. I yeah. you, you so, shifted your room. I noticed that you. I didn't. Yeah. S- we couldn't see the closet doors last time. Yeah, I kind of did a a little a ninety mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. Did I like little, it. That's what I did with my Memorial Day. Rearranged oh, my yeah. office. Just gotta adapt. You gotta you gotta exactly. keep you keep keep yourself on your toes. Um, well, cool. Well, thanks, Rob. For we never know. We, there's not a great way that we start our podcast. So, if people stick with us past the introductions, then we just assume you guys are super fans. So, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you for making it through that, Rob. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to have you here with us today. Um, Rob is, um, gosh, Rob, you've been with us. You were number one. You. Or before Dan, even mm-hmm. three whole uh, months. And I have a pin I, that I never wear in the office, but it says, "Remember, you were number one." <laughs> Do you? Is that a thing? No. Okay. I was That's like, a joke. If, if that happens, I um, I love it. And why didn't we make that happen? Um, That's right. Rob's been um, at Crema for ten years, right? Is it we passed the big ten, right? Yeah. Wow. 10 years in January. Yeah. January mm-hmm. 1st. So, so yeah. crazy. Um, you started at Crema as a designer, um, really was our only designer for a long time. And then um, made the leap into really, you were doing front end programming um, on our websites and things like that. And then mm-hmm. transitioned fully into front end development, like at its mm-hmm. core. Um, what, tell me, why'd you do that? <laughs> what was the I, impetus like yeah no I, I guess you yeah. i think it's a really interesting story because it's pretty unique that it, um we foster people trying to adapt and learn and grow and constantly improve and you made i mean that's a pretty massive transition into being one of our senior architects our our, our directors of of engineering here i mean like you mm-hmm. are really um on our leadership team now leading the the charge for what we do as a front-end development agency um what what led you down that path to make that that change i just want to go back Hmm. a little bit and then we'll we'll talk about yeah (laughs) i mean it's it's interesting to actually try to think back for me because it seems like it was such a well a long time ago but also a pretty was a long time ago yeah it seemed like a pretty gradual change for a long time and then something just kind of snapped and it's like no i want to i want to do this I really enjoy the development aspect of this and I can let go of guiding the design process and kind of take up this new uh, adventure, you know, and uh, yeah, 
still learning, still a lot to know. Um, there always will be, which is partially what's so exciting about programming to me. So I think that was overall the draw. It's just making things work and figuring out how to do that better each day. Yeah. Rob, do you remember how that started? Was it a client project that you like wanted to like, like, Hey, I think I can, you know, take a look under the hood and try to figure out what this looks like, or I don't remember how it started. I don't. I did that. a lot of collaboration with um, Ross Brown, who is a legend around here. Uh, Rest in peace. He's I mean, still alive, really, people. He's still alive. He's still he's alive and well. Here. I miss him yeah. a lot. Yeah. Uh, so Ross and I were working hand in hand to produce these these application features. I was handling the CSS, HTML, kind of elements of it. Um, but I was there, uh, kind of in that context, writing commits, uh, having him review review my changes, uh, merging those in. Um, so a lot of the development process was something I was being exposed to, even though I wasn't necessarily doing any heavy lifting on the programming side. Mm -hmm. um, but I was being exposed to that as well. Um, and there was a certain point, I believe, where I think Ross and Derek came back from a conference and they were talking about um, learning uh, or seeing React uh, presented and yeah. how it was it was kind of a different approach to what we were used to. I think at that point we were, we were using Angular for our mm -hmm. front end applications and uh, and I had been dabbling with Angular as well, um, kind of starting to get in there, um, learning the nuts and bolts of it. Still very confused, but um, but loving it. Uh, but when they came back and talked about React and that got that was on my radar, suddenly it was like, okay, I actually want to buckle down and learn this, <laughs> this JavaScript thing, which is the language that we write in for the browser. And, uh, and while I'm at it, learn React. And React uh, really clicked for me hmm. from like a mental model standpoint. Yeah. And, uh, but it also leans very heavily on just vanilla JavaScript, right? So you're writing JavaScript all the way through, whereas some of these other frameworks have some syntactic sugar that kind of obscures some of the low level kind of mechanisms that you might use to get work done. So syntactic React really sugar. Just, mm, I really like sugar. I, I like latched that onto that as well. I was like, that's a wonderful phrase. Yeah. So anyways, that's, that's kind of how it happened. Uh, just getting exposed to it and getting that itch. So, so fast forward a little bit. You, I'm sorry, Dan, I'm, no, I'm go just ahead. going for it. You, yeah, you do it. <laughs> you, uh, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, mm -hmm. um, is when we introduced, um, the company had grown, right? We got into a close to 40 people. Uh, maybe it was a little less than that at the time, but, um, we, Dan and I and Matt were really thinking about how, how might we bring up, um, a group of leaders inside of Crema. Um, and you were, kind of crucial to that team being formed. Can you tell us a little bit about that team, what it is at Crema, what maybe what that team does? And then, then I want to dive into maybe how are we thinking about that team being like any other team inside the organization, but trying to operate at a, at a um, with a different purpose maybe. So yeah, tell me sure. a little bit about the team first. Yeah. So um, we refer to it internally as the Crema leadership team. I believe is that the team you're referring to? I think that's uh, the team I'm referring to. And yes. a, a subset of that is is what we refer to as the management team, uh, right. which is is uh, 
I guess just excludes Matt, George, and Dan here. But uh, the leadership team, yeah, it really is a an effort from my perspective to 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 expand that um, that set of individuals who has the knowledge or the context to make some of these high level decisions uh, at Crema. And um, for the longest time, it, it had been George and and, and you, Dan, and uh, um, and Matt, you brought him in a few years back uh, to head the the technical side of things. Um, but as we're growing, it just wasn't scalable. So, mm -hmm. so I, I think that was probably the, the main impetus, but I know also there's this sense that you are wanting to, uh, you've said this before, you want to replace yourselves to some degree and get people on board who maybe have fresh perspectives or mm -hmm. unique skill sets that they can speak into um, the needs of the company at that level. So yeah, I was super humbled <laughs> to be considered for that. I've, I've always considered myself kind of a, kind of a nose down um, in the work kind of, kind of person. Um, so it's been a huge uh, challenge for me to sort of get out of that mindset and kind of apply some of the, the, the things or the problem solving skills that I enjoy utilizing on the programming side, actually bringing those to bear at a higher level with the mm. company. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, that's helpful. So that team is made up now of, <clears throat> there's two um, kind of technical leads, if you will. So you right. and CK, because the development team is the largest team inside of our organization, we have two technical managers. Then um, there's product, product management, uh, strategy and design, and- um, Best engineering. Te yeah, test engineering, which Matt oversees as well. Mm -hmm. And and I think um, what's been really cool is to see that team lean into not only the, the flourishing of Crema, but really the flourishing of the people on each mm -hmm. of your teams. Um, and and just being, just knowing your teams really well. So instead of, um, a lot of companies might have it set up in more of a hierarchical way of being um, over top of a, maybe a, a director of a division. Um, ours is more about craft right now, at least. Um, so each of those leaders sits over a craft team. So a specialty of a team. Oftentimes those, those individuals maybe don't get to work with each other on a daily basis, but they're all aiming to become experts of a, of a similar craft. So you oversee a group of developers that are all experts in JavaScript in some way or becoming experts in JavaScript. Um, right, yeah. What are, what are some of the what are some of the disciplines specifically when it comes to being now this leadership, um, this leadership of a technical team, what are some of the rhythms or the disciplines that you guys do on a regular basis to foster that team, to foster that craft? Yeah. So on the, on the technical side, um, you mentioned CK, the other lead architect, myself, Matt, who, who's kind of the director of, of the whole tech team. Uh, we meet regularly, uh, just, put our heads together. Um, we're talking about challenges that we're, we're experiencing, um, whether it's people problems or process problems. Um, and of course, celebrating wins and, and just sharing information in that way. Um, I think one of the things I've had to challenge myself to do is actually be okay with stepping back and mm. letting other people 
take take the reins on certain things, um, which is hugely important to do because now I exist in kind of these three realms, you know, leadership, management, and I'm, I'm also still doing day-to-day -day, yeah. uh, production work as well. Um, so knowing how to play in each of those uh, strata in the right way and at the right time has been one of the biggest challenges for me. Mm -hmm. um, but it also gives me a full picture of what's happening um, from the lowest level to the highest level, which is a unique perspective to have. Uh, so again, going back to some of the processes, uh, disciplines, we, we of course do one-on-ones. I, I have eight people that I do one-on-ones with. Um, and uh, so that's kind of for each week, split it up that way by bi-weekly one-on-ones. And CK is doing the same with the other team. And mm. so, yeah, we're, we're spending regular time with the whole development team, just seeing how things are going, especially right now with the current <laughs> state of, yeah, right, right. of things. Um, it's been hugely important. Um, so keeping that, that finger on the pulse is, is huge. And, and also I, I, I kind of always joke around. It's like my, can be my personal one-on-one -on -one too sometimes it's like man yeah. really it goes both ways this. doesn't it it yeah. does and yeah. sometimes i feel myself probably leaning too far that direction like mm. man how do i how would you do this or how, what do you think about this or you know but but i also trust these people i don't mm. i don't see myself as this person who has any greater knowledge than than they do i'm playing a specific role in in the organization mm. serving them in that way and and i get to benefit as a result too so rob what about um you mentioned the three strata in which you operate in so still doing um day-to-day -day work still but being a member of a, the manager team and also the leadership team what it's easy to be like man this is unmanageable you know, it's like, I don't have enough categories in my brain or whatever to continue to, you know, access different parts of me, you know, and one, I'm trying to be as strategic as I can, where the other one is like, there's hardly any strategy. I just need to get things done. Um, so what are some disciplines that you've employed, that you've had to learn, that you're still just, you know, putzing your way through as we all do uh -huh. to help manage that new, and it's not just workload. Workload's one thing. But it's all also managing a, a different way of thinking yeah, that almost has to sure. pivot back and forth within minutes. And so mm -hmm. what are some things you've done, either organizing your week, your calendar? What does that look like? Yeah, I, I think it starts there. Time management. Mm. Um, it used to be that when I was solely playing a production role on a project, I knew what was going on with the project, I knew what my tasks were, and I knew where I was in those tasks. And I knew when the sprint deadline was coming up and what I had to get done, right. Um, so I think adding those layers has actually forced me to live in my calendar a lot more live and die by mm -hmm. events uh, on my calendar, uh, where I know that those events are meaningful, that mm. it's not just, uh, you know, well, yeah, I said I'd go to that, but I don't really intend to, that kind of thing. So I really live and die by that. Also, um, utilizing, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of this, but and Danny could probably help me, but organizing tasks into kind of the, the four quadrants of mm -hmm. important and urgent and mm -hmm. all permutations of that. 
Yeah, um, Covey's Quadrants. Is it Covey's Quadrants? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So trying to think in those categories as well. Um, I've played around with actual tools that task management tools that have that matrix and you can organize things into that. Um, I tend to lean on those when I'm feeling, feeling the pressure more mm -hmm. so than kind of in a typical week. I think most weeks um, it's manageable uh, for, or it seems manageable and I don't lean on those tools too heavily, but um, yeah, the time management aspect of it and just being aware of my own limitations to effectively switch contexts yeah contexts uh well is something that i've had to really appreciate about myself so i've gone through many iterations of trying to do one-on-ones at different different ways you know mm -hmm. one, one per day one i'll have one-on-one -on -one each afternoon except for friday or something like that mm -hmm. i found that knowing that meeting was coming up in my afternoon it it kind of crippled me because I was constantly looking towards that meeting. Right. Oh, and so I found that actually yeah. grouping all of those into one day and just knowing that I'm in the mindset of today, success looks like getting through these meetings <laughs> and doing a good job yeah. and, and putting thought into them. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, that really changed things. So it's been a lot of trial and error. I've gone, you know, back and forth on a lot of these things. So that's one example. Yeah. Yeah. That's I do good. something similar, Rob, for my one-on-ones because I've got about six or seven people that report to me right now. And I, I joke with my kids when I'm having breakfast on that day. It's every other Thursday for me. And it's like, happy one-on-one day, everybody. You know, uh, maybe, <laughs> may the odds be ever in your favor, you know, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, then, and then head off to just a series of back-to-back of -back meetings. But I'm with you. That posture, that mindset of saying today's day, today's purpose is X really helps me because I, I think you, you named something that's really important. I think a lot of people struggle with this, especially in a team or an organization that might have you switching a lot. Um, and you're, you're dealing with that switching cost. And we've talked about that a lot over the years, but I think switching cost is maybe something that we should spend some more time thinking. It's my dog you? snoring. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. Could you hear it? <laughs> yeah, just barely. That was so good. Just a little. Um, just a little. Yeah. I that's think awesome. the switching cost is something that in the future we should spend a bit more time on because we've talked about the, the dangers of some things you've already named, which are silos and bottlenecks, right? Like by giving yourself away and not trying to take over everything, um, you're trying to remove that bottleneck of you having to be involved in everything. Um, mm -hmm. Right. But I think the switching cost is super important, no matter, maybe no matter what role you're in, and even more so if you're in a leadership role, because you do have to kind of shift your mind to a lot of different initiatives. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's something, I'm kind of making a mental note on that, because I think it's something that's really important. I think a lot of people probably struggle with. It's that deep work or that deep, deep, what is it? Mm -hmm. Deep work time? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's not only, I, I think something I'm realizing, it's not only just switching so if I'm, if I'm doing development work and one of, one of my, uh, teammates pings me like, Hey, can I get eyes on this? Like that doesn't feel like a huge switch. You know, mm -hmm. I'm going from looking at my mm -hmm. code to looking at somebody else's code. Yeah. It's broken my momentum a little bit. Um, but I'm still in the same context and the same level of abstraction. Yeah. So, so that's a very low level abstraction. And so I've found that sometimes what's 
even more difficult for me is switching from like a high level abstraction, which uh -huh. is the, you know, the leadership part of things. It's everything's kind of compared to code nebulous mm -hmm. and a little scary and a little loose. Um, so code, code scares me. So I think <laughs> there's it's scary too, but it's a different, if it's, it's a different thing. And, right. uh, and so switching between those levels of abstraction is a good thing mm -hmm. to be mindful of mm -hmm. when you're doing it. Um, especially if you're used to operating just kind of in one, one tier. Yeah. I think Rob, that's really interesting. Rob, one, another posture that I heard in your career timeline that I think is important for specifically for anyone who's going from maybe switching from one craft to another and then going from getting really, really good at that craft and then moving towards like a management or leadership position is the posture of grit. And it's just top of mind for me right now, just because of, of a book I'm reading. But the, the, that aspect of grit is a combination of passion and perseverance. And passion is less about intensity, but your interest and your willingness to stay with that interest over a consistent time period. Mm -hmm. And so you said two things in there that I thought was really, and this is to affirm you, when you first started developing, you're like, I was out of my depth, you know, but you stayed with it. And then when going from a master of your craft to leadership, you said it was a huge challenge and still is a huge challenge, but you're still doing it and you're still getting better. And so those two things just stuck out to me as far as like, no matter how you're progressing, if you're going from a novice to an intermediate, intermediate to an expert or going, or even going flipping from expert to like, well, I'm not really going to build anymore. I'm going to lead and, and manage. There's this aspect of I'm having to keep going. And so approaching each day, each project, each season of your career with this mindset of grit um, I don't think it's common, um, but I think it's one that's needed and it's one that, I don't know, just at, at, as you've been talking, it's like, wow, this is a great story of just staying and sticking with it. You got to so, love, you got to love the pain. That's, <laughs> that's true. Takes, yeah. Yeah. You got to love the pain because training yeah. is pain no matter what, yeah. how you skin it. But yeah. I, I, think, I, I see parallels there all the time between that kind of physical aspect of like, I know this is good for me, but mm -hmm. it's work every single time mm -hmm. you get on that treadmill or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it's the same way with, with, with all of this, um, for sure. And I, I've seen those, that correlation more and more strongly <laughs> as mm -hmm. time goes on. Mm -hmm. As we talk about our disciplines, postures and structures as being this kind of framework that we've, we're using to assess a lot of this stuff. Right. Um, what you're in my mind, it helps me because what you're defining is as a shift in structure, right? As, as something that was kind of permanent in nature of things, something you're becoming a master of, you're, you're really naming this is what my title is, it's, it's, it's who I am in some ways, and then going, Oh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to, I'm going to break that bone right now that's really strong and, and watch it reheal into something new and even maybe even stronger and different. Um, it is painful. It is hard. Um, like you say, doing a workout, you do tear muscles in order to right. get stronger. Um, and I think that's such a great analogy. I'm glad you mentioned because it is painful. And it, it, it even means, a, I think something we try maybe subconsciously, we don't, maybe we shouldn't, we should say it more outwardly is that we understand there may be even a loss in productivity during mm -hmm. that time. Cause as you press into that new structure, as you press into those new sets of disciplines and, and postures and, and, and processes, um, it, it is painful and mm -hmm. you're still learning how to get your legs. Right. Right. Uh, and it takes time. Uh, I think a lot of people, 
a lot of organizations, a lot of teams aren't patient enough to get through that, mm -hmm. that transition period. Um, but it does take a lot of, like Dan said, grit and patience to say, nope, I'm sticking with this. We're going to mm -hmm. get better at it. I will learn. I'll grow. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. And you start what? to see that in others as well around you. Um, yeah. You have to remind yourself, the only way I know a right way to do this in any one of these kind of layers is because I've failed, you know, yeah, yeah. many times before I kind of landed on some sort of realization of, of the correct way um, or formed a mental structure or model, you know, that I can utilize mm -hmm. moving forward. And sometimes that just, it takes time. And so being patient with yourself, being mm -hmm. patient with others. Um, yeah, that's yeah, good. It's, it's totally necessary. Um, I'm curious, uh, we, we work in our product teams in a cross-discipline way. What, when you, cause you talked about perspectives and, and I think that's one of the things that Dan and I were so excited when we were putting that leadership team together was, um, and Matt, Dan, Matt and I were the fact that we were going to get this fresh perspectives, um, mm -hmm. to our conversation in that they weren't all basically just us. Like mm -hmm. it wasn't like, Oh, cool. Another George and Oh, cool. Another Dan and oh, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but all of a sudden getting this more diverse point of view, you've been in it for a year and a half now. How would you, or how do you describe that to your friends when you say, I'm on this leadership team. It's made up of a bunch of different people from different crafts, different personalities, but it, I, I don't know for me, it's like, but it's, wow, it works really, really well. Yeah. In a lot of ways it models the structure that we have in our product teams, right? Yeah, so we've yeah. got people, uh, we have Tuck, who's a product manager. So he's very organizationally minded and, and, uh, you know, is a, is kind of that hub or the glue that kind of holds all of us together. Um, and I don't think anybody would argue with that. And, and then you've got CK, myself, uh, Matt, uh, who are, much more, you know, we have that firsthand experience with the technical implementation of things. Yeah. Um, that bring, that's, there's some unique muscles that have been uh, exercised there. Um, but then you have folks like Tyler, who's, who's just seeing the big picture, seeing opportunities, seeing, uh, asking the what if questions, mm -hmm. um, yeah. almost as a, you know, a, re, uh, a reflex, right? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. whereas my, my, my reflex is always, why not? You know, and it's not, a, they're not bad questions. They're, they're just different reflexes. And I think yeah. mm -hmm. the crafts either lend themselves to people who think a certain way, or you learn to think a certain way in those respective crafts. Um, but one thing that I've found hugely important is recognizing that we do come to the table with those default, uh, hats on, right? Yeah. Um, I'm totally blanking on the guy's name, but the six hats of thinking, right? The six thinking hats. And uh, there's one that's black hat. And that's the one I wear like by default. You can just picture me with like a black top hat on. Uh -huh. I come into the room with that hat on and sometimes I don't even realize I have it on. Um, but if I can be mindful of the fact that I have it on, I can mm -hmm. consciously take it off and put on the what if hat, you know, the green hat or whatever whatever the color is, yeah. um, that represents a certain way of thinking. So I think I've been forced to learn, um, more about myself and, and, and the other members of that leadership team and how we might be coming to the table with those default sort of attitudes mm -hmm. in an unconscious way many times. And that, I think that's where frustration can mm -hmm. arise is when you're unconsciously 
always wearing the black hat or mm-hmm. um yeah so being cognizant of that has been huge i've got a weed whacker going on outside it's fine it's fine <laughs> but i i think i think what's awesome rob about the way that you describe that is that yeah it may have taken getting through some frustrating times where you go man we're just not clicking and we do not see things that i but then recognizing that and naming that and leaning in to say what is it about the way that we're approaching this same core desire to make crema great, to make this team mm-hmm. great, to make our people great, but we're, we are approaching it with different perspectives and mm-hmm. different attitudes and different mindsets, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes time to work those things out, and I think it's really awesome to see how that team has kind of clicked in over time, even more so, and there's a trust yeah. that comes from the fact that, you know, you love to polish things. You love it to be done a certain way. And you had that confidence that there is a, a way things ought to be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like you said, Tyler is always talking in um, analogies. It's like, I think I know what you're saying, but I, you just told a story for 20 minutes and I want to I wrap myself, you know, it's like, so everybody kind of approaches that in, in a different um, perspective. And I think that's it, it ends up being a beautiful thing. Again, if you're patient, you have the grit to. Yeah, to it's like a boulder it. rolling down the hill. <laughs> There's a bunch of other boulders. Oh, I don't know. I just, I said the first thing that came. I don't know. I just <laughs> wanted to say an analogy. I was like, so the boulders are like bumping against each other, <laughs> uh, knocking off red, rough edges. Okay. Uh, out of good analogy, Dan. Out of Thank curiosity, you. what's something maybe that's fresh for you guys right now? What's something that you're paying attention to as a team or maybe as an individual? What's something that you're focused into or you're excited about? that leadership team, the work that Krim is doing right now or where we're going right now, what's something that you've, you've had your headspace in or maybe the team has had its headspace in to pay attention to as we're moving forward and growing? Yeah, I think what immediately jumps to my mind is work that we've been doing around actually identifying what our core what our core is at Krim, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. that we can yeah. all be on the same page, whether it's sales to the product team, right? So it's easier said than done because it's something that again sounds intuitive and and most of it is intuitive and that's what is hard about it is that you have all these intuitions you don't necessarily have concrete Mm -hmm. words to put on paper and so coming up with those Mm -hmm. concrete words putting them down presenting them to the whole team i think there's a power in doing that just Mm -hmm. putting it out there Mm -hmm. um so so we identified our core uh really hinges around product teams mm-hmm. like that is the that is the nucleus of our core right yeah. so product yeah. teams uh cross-disciplinary teams that come together with all of those diverse viewpoints and skills uh that's what it takes to work with our clients on a day-to-day basis and actually build products that matter so mm-hmm. So even that was a shift for me because I, I, I tend to think of like, well, at the core, we are the thing, you know, the, the core thing we do is this output, this set of output. And that's true. That's part of it. It's part of the equation, but, but it's not the distinguishing factor. So, yeah. so that, that, was, that was one of the things that we, I mean, you and all of us here, we, we kind of have gone back and forth on that and mm-hmm. coming at it from different perspectives with certain assumptions mm-hmm. it can be a frustrating process. But at the end of the day, we, I feel like we got on the same page and we had a better, better output as a result. It's so 
good and so important to write those things down. Because like you said, it's so easy to intuit. If someone does something, you're like, oh, we don't, that's not a principle of our principle of ours. And someone could be like, how do you know that? I'm like, I, I don't know. I just know. Right. Where's um, it written? <laughs> yeah. yeah right. It's like for our family two years ago, we actually went through this process of writing down our family mission statement, which was the hardest thing ever. Bet, it's like, yeah. I know exactly what we value because if my kids start acting away, it's like, stop doing that. Well, why not? We don't value that behavior, <laughs> yeah. but they're like, well, why? And I'm like, because we don't. So just, yeah. but the going through the process of actually writing down what's important to you because you're picky on words, you're picky on like what, no, this word really means something. Um, it, it is right. a hard process to go through, but it then now serves back. Mm -hmm. Everything goes back to it. It's like, hey, this is not, we're going to make this decision as a family or a company. Why? Right. Because it goes back to this because we took the time to write it down and all. And I feel like if you don't have tension around something like that, you're not doing it right. Mm -hmm. no, you, there should be, it's so important to everybody that there should be tension. Yeah. There should be some yeah. level of, you know, debate and discussion around it because everyone believes in it. And once yeah, the stakes be right, the stakes are high. Yeah, stakes are high. Yeah. Yep. I now feel like I'm not that great of a dad. I got to go back and write a mission statement with my family. I, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have one either. <laughs> okay. Gosh, that was my sole purpose. In <laughs> no, that's good. I think, I, I think what I was real, I mean, quite transparently and we can share this Rob, you and I, we butted heads a little bit through that process mm -hmm. and it was coming out the other side of it where the presentation that I think it was literally up until like days before we were supposed to present this to the rest of the company. We had a deadline. We set a constraint for ourselves to, to say, mm -hmm. we got to share this. And, um, and then the presentation happened and I, I don't know if I was on camera, but I just remember being in the background, just being like, yes, this landed in such an incredible space. And it wasn't exactly what I said. It wasn't exactly what you said. It was kind of this, like this, mm -hmm. this beautiful marriage of, of all of our perspectives coming together and saying, no, what really matters to us is not something brand new. It's actually something we've been doing for a long time. We just mm -hmm. needed to name it. Um, right. uh, going back, I mean, like I literally, it made me think, oh, what was the beginning of option five about? The whole first season was about cross-discipline product teams. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that did really matter. That does really matter to us. And yeah. Naming that is really important. Um, and sometimes you just don't have the structures in place to know where to, place something like yeah. that where does it yeah. fit in the overall structure so mm -hmm. it takes a while to figure those things out so let's let's end on this what's something that you're excited about going forward so we've kind of finished this this core recently but what's something that you know we're, we're all working from home we're in the middle of a pandemic but what's something you're excited about coming out um, maybe into the latter half of 2020 into 2021 um, for crema for your team um where, where, yeah. where are you getting jazzed right now? I was thinking about this earlier, actually. Um, and it definitely rings true on the development side because it's where I'm kind of my passions sure. lie. But, but I think it, again, it applies to the whole team. But just taking it to the next level, asking the question, okay, now that we've identified this core, it, it's still very like generic. I mean, really, it's high level. It's a high level description of, of who we are um, and that's intentional because we need that level of flexibility underneath it but okay now that we've at least defined this how do we level up what does mm -hmm. leveling up look like yeah so i think that's that's where i get excited as a polisher <laughs> i i i'm excited to see what it looks like to really gel as a team be mm -hmm. on the same page not just 
with other developers, but with the UI designers, with with the product managers, um, testers. So, and then with sales, even like yeah. knowing that we're going to get products through the door, projects through the door that that are no brainers, right? They align with what mm -hmm. we do, and we're going to excel because they align with who we are. So, so that that gets me excited. So that that plays into a lot of different areas, hiring, um, establishing some kind of way to measure whether or not somebody would be a natural fit in our team from whether it's a skill perspective or just our values. Mm -hmm. um, but those are all things that are so much easier to say than to actually do. And so we're just starting down this process, this, this road of actually, okay, now that we've got our North star, which is this core, how do we actually embody it and flesh that out day-to-day mm -hmm. -day life? So, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where I'm getting excited for sure. Dude, I love it. Rob, Rob you make me smile. Yeah, man. Oh, good. It, it, this, this little, this, the three of us together again, it's like, it's like the early days. The early wear days. that pin though. Find that pin and wear it. Yeah, I, yeah, I was the first. We're going <laughs> to, actually, we probably should get that pin for him. Um, but dude, uh, thank you again. I mean, it's been an awesome journey. Um, I love love the the experience of building crema with you and and um seeing you uh, adapt into the person you are today is incredible um so i'm i'm pumped for i thought i thought i'd be going into the season with everything that was happening in the world mourning a lot quite transparently hmm. and there was a period of that where it was like oh man my structure just changed it hurts i'm not comfortable i'm in crisis mode i was fed by it because there was a creativity but i was i was just like man things are the same. I'm now starting to turn that corner of going, ah, you know what? I'm actually really excited about where we're potentially going. Um, so pumped yeah, that you're same. here doing it with us, man. Um, yeah. Glad to be here. Well, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of option five. If you haven't already, make sure that you uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes pocket cast. Bro, what do you, you listen to podcasts? Are you a podcast guy? I do. Yeah. What do you listen I to? Usually what's your, what's your, the good old iTunes or see, podcast I forget app. you're an you're like an Apple through and through guy. You use Apple Mail. You use all the Apple software as well. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's complicated, but okay, we I won't. A, a topic for another <laughs> another uh, podcast. Um, sure. So so definitely subscribe on the the whatever you use to listen to your podcast. Um, if you can also, it'd be awesome if you went to iTunes because it's one of the only platforms that you can leave reviews on. So go give us a five-star review. Um, and if you're thinking about building adaptive product teams, if you're thinking about your company moving towards cross-discipline work, um, definitely think about sharing this podcast with your, um, your bosses, with your peers, maybe with other people in the industry, because that is something back to our core that's, that we're really excited about is how to help people build product teams, build cross-discipline perspectives and adapt to an ever-changing world. So um, thank you guys as always for listening and I think we'll see you guys next time. Hi, I'm Kylie Bublitz. I'm an application developer at Crema. I help write code and build quality products for our clients. During my workday, I work with multiple team members, such as test engineers, product managers, designers, and other developers to help bring our clients' ideas to life. 
I enjoy working at Kerma because every day I'm presented with new challenges that are constantly pushing me to learn and grow in my craft. I love being a part of this team because we genuinely support each other in our pursuits of constant improvement. Option 5 is a podcast by Crema, a digital product agency that creates web and mobile apps for disruptive companies and industry leaders. We believe that design, technology, and culture can help create a world where individuals and companies thrive. Learn more at crema.us.